Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! So here's what I want to do to start is I want to, in talking about joy, and we're really going to start to define some of these uh, and what joy is and what happiness is. Um, we just want to look at some places where joy is easy to access and places that joy is difficult to access. So as I share some of these examples, I want you to be thinking about your own examples of these things. One, first one that I think of, a place that joy is easy to access. If you ever have the privilege of going to Disneyland and you are eating a churro in Disneyland, fried dough with sugar, with Mickey Mouse, that is like as good as it can get. In Southern California, you're in the happiest place on earth. You can find something to be joyful about. And even if you're gluten intolerant and you hate eating it, you're still eating it. You're still a part of it. All right, a place where it's difficult to access joy. Costco on Saturday. Have you ever been? Have you ever, like, walked into Costco on a Saturday and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> The carts are huge, and everyone's just kind of hanging out. It feels like there's an Occupy movement in most of the aisles, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to. All right, a place that is easy to access joy. Hot chocolate in a snowy cabin. Oh, it can be coffee. It can be any warm beverage. It can be a toddy. I don't know. I'm not here to judge you. But a warm beverage when you're inside a rustic cabin and there's snow falling outside. Oh, it's like the sweet and salty mix. You got the warm and the cold mix where you're seeing cold, but you're feeling warm. Oh, that's some joy. Difficult to access joy. Thanksgiving Eve traffic. I can still remember once leaving Seattle, where I was going to school to come down and visit my soon-to-be wife and family, nine hours on Thanksgiving Eve, nine hours to get down. It took me an hour to do what normally was five minutes just to get to the freeway. And it is one of the most soul-crushing. No matter how hopeful you are at the beginning, you're like, no, a little me time. This will be great. Turn up the tunes. <laughs> Three hours later, you're like, uh-uh, get this over with. Place that's easy to access joy in the ears of a puppy. I don't know what it is about puppy ears in particular, but they are too soft. You know what I mean? And then when you get close to the puppy ears, you get to smell that puppy breath, which is all oh, intoxicating. Hard to access joy. A misset alarm. Have you ever for one day set an alarm at like 3.30 in the morning for something very important, and then you didn't unset that 3.30 in the morning alarm, and then it just goes off the next morning? You're like, I don't know. Guess I'm up now. I don't know what. I can't just bounce back from that and go back to sleep like that didn't happen. Another place where I find it easy to access joy. This one's getting dated, and I get that. If you ever have a song in your head, and then it comes on the radio, and you're like, the universe is for me. Yeah. I don't know what the song is that you're singing, but you can really belt it out. You're like, oh, the radio gets me. A place that's hard to access joy. You open up the refrigerator and someone put an empty milk carton back in the refrigerator. This one gets exponentially higher the more children you have in a house um, or adults who function as children. But 
what are you doing? Because you open it and you're like, oh, good, I thought we were out. And you're like, oh, come on, especially cereal boxes, because you can't tell from the outside. It's all hope when you look at it and then you grab it and you're like, what monster leaves four Cheerios at the bottom of this box? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to kind of gather up just around you be able to say hi. The biggest thing is just to make sure that no one's left out around you. Say your name. And what are areas for you that you find one area where like this is easy for me to experience and access joy. And then here's an area where it's hard for me to experience or access joy. So go ahead and turn around, say hi, introduce yourself and share with the folks around you. Okay, so as you were all sharing... My hope is that we can start to connect with this idea that some places joy is easy to find and some places joy is really difficult to find. Um, a comedian who I used to enjoy more, he's a little bit more problematic now, but he had this joke once that still makes me laugh. He says, you know, some people say that money can't buy happiness, but have you ever seen somebody frowning on a jet ski? And <laughs> it's because it's an environment where it's easy to access that joy. When we talk about joy this morning, we want to talk about the spaces where actually joy can be difficult to access. Because if we, we just focus on where joy is easy to access, a lot of that conversation works into circumstances. And how do you just create the right kind of circumstances in your life to experience joy? The reality of life and living is no amount of desire to control your circumstances will always create joy-rich environments. And I think that the joy that is talked about in Scripture isn't circumstantial. It's more than happiness. It's deeper than that. And so that's what we want to talk about. When we talk about a celebration of joy, we're not just talking about feeling happy because there's happy things going on around us but we're actually able to access something even in the difficulty and the hard places. Costco on a Saturday, in uh, traffic, at a funeral. When the situations in our lives feel lost and out of control, is there joy even there to be discovered? So this morning, we are going to look at a couple verses from Philippians. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, it's on your phone. I encourage you to turn. We're going to be looking at Philippians 4. Um, and Philippians is a letter, uh, which we say a lot. We get to, in the Bible, you're reading someone's mail. Uh, it's, and this one in particular, Philippians is an incredibly personal letter that Paul is sending to the church in Philippi. Um, and one of the things that's interesting to note before we read this is Paul is actually in prison, uh, probably in Caesarea or in Ephesus, and he's sending this letter from prison. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is what's challenging and beautiful about what Paul is writing. He's talking about a kind of contentment, an access to joy that is irregardless of circumstances. That it isn't dependent on, I need to not be in prison. 
I need to be well-fed to be able to access this kind of contentment and this kind of joy. And I think where the, one of the places where that gets really dissonant or kind of hard to sit with is the practice of conversations about joy that have come from Christian churches in the last 20 to 50 years in the United States. A lot of times conversations on joy aren't dealing with seeing the circumstances, but it's actually been used, joy is a tool of avoidance. That you don't have to be sad anymore. You don't have to worry about it. A common kind of Christian notion and I mentioned more recently in society is if you go to a Christian funeral and they say, we don't got to be sad. They're in a better place. That there's joy to be celebrating because they have gone off to be with Jesus and they're happy. So why do we have to be sad? That is a classical tool of avoidance. Someone you love is no longer here. That deserves grief, not joy. And the message that Paul is saying here isn't, I don't have anything to grieve about. I don't have anything to be sad about. I'm in prison. Paul wasn't wearing a good vibes only shirt. What he was saying was, in the midst of pain and difficulty that does not exclude me from seeing that God is good and that God can be present, even here, even in this. I was having a conversation this week with a friend who appreciates the darker things in life. Like, and we were talking about, going back to the conversation that, that you all just shared with each other, places where it's easy to find joy and places where it's hard to find joy. And he was saying, when it comes to these conversations in church, he would much prefer a conversation about grief and sadness and fear and shame in church than one about joy or hope. And I was like, why is that? He said, it feels more honest. It feels more honest. And I said, that's interesting. Because I think that we would all agree, fear, grief, and sadness is not inherently more honest than joy and hope. There's nothing more truthful about suffering. But because of how we have functioned as Christians in this world, there's an inherent, there can be a mistrust of hope and joy conversations because they are about avoidance. They aren't about acknowledging, oh, it's all here. It's all in the midst of this. In our lives, what we are held account to a lot of times, I think we feel pressure to create the realities around us. And if we, we look at like the big picture of what Christianity would be talking about, it would be that there's a God who created all people, placed them within a world where there is suffering and pain and hardship. And then what that God offered people was, hey, ignore the hard stuff and just focus on the good stuff. Don't worry, be happy. And instead, I think God is saying, no, to be present to your life and reality, to be present to the things that are actually happening and then respond to them in the way that those circumstances would be right and justifiable, that's living an engaged life. And that is the pathway for how we access joy. It's not through avoidance. It's not through just recreating every situation to look good, but it's by sitting in the pain and the difficulty too. 
one of the tools of survival that many of us have utilized in our lives is we have stopped emotionally engaging with our world around us, both in pain and in joy, because it creates a number more consistent reality. I don't have to cry about these failed expectations or these lost dreams. I don't have to mourn these things because you know what? We're going to be okay. And also, I don't have to get too excited about these things because, you know, it will just set me up for a bigger disappointment down the road. So this church, Cascade Church, is four years old. We've been here for, for just four years. And when we first started this place, there was like an email thread of like 30 people and we had had a couple of meetings before we had our first Sunday here in this building. And I think the most people that ever showed up was like 20, 25 folks. So when we had our first Sunday, we had no idea what to expect and anticipate. That first Sunday, we had 180 people show up. And some of you are like, wow, that's an amazing story. And other of you are like, what happened? Where'd they go? <laughs> Great question. We could talk uh, later today at Cascade Connect. I remember after that Sunday feeling like, ah, so what? Who's going to be there in a year? Who's going to be there in two years? I mean, of course, a lot of people are going to show up for a party for an opening Sunday, but like they're not going to be there later. And I remember talking with a mentor of mine. He's like, isn't this great? And I was like, I don't know, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that they're all going to be there next week. And he said something that I thought about a lot. He said, if you're only going to celebrate the things that last forever, have fun not celebrating things. And I was like, oh, that was too true. When we talk about joy and accessing joy, and the, the intentional language that we use is a celebration of joy, is that we are recognizing and celebrating the joy that is in our lives there to be discovered. That in every circumstance, there is something with which to find joy. Even just sitting here in this room, to imagine that we have all these people that are breathing and exhaling, and their hearts are beating. Your hearts are beating involuntarily in this room that there's this incredible miracle that's happening right now. We didn't have to create it. We didn't have to bring out a disco ball and a pinata to access that. There's just something beautiful about this room and this space because you're here. Now, that doesn't have to cover any pain or suffering or difficulty that you're going this week. That's not the point. But it's rather to sit with them both and to not exclude one for the other. And I don't know if this is something that you relate with, but I find safety feeling and being in touch with the bottom of the pit. I feel safety in if I know where I could be disappointed, if I know where the sadness is, then that protects me and keeps me safe. But actually what I found in my life is it leads me to live a kind of life that's actually not connected and it's not present and it's not showing up. That there is no amount of real living. There is no joy that comes from always anticipating pain, but rather to show up to our life that God has given us. The question is why? Why would we do that? 
if we understand God as creator, then God created us with these kinds of emotions with which to experience our life that we have. And joy is a part of that, and sadness is a part of that. So accessing both of those is a way that God speaks to us and works throughout our lives. It's a way that God is revealing to us who we are and how God is moving in this world. And so there aren't emotions that we should be prioritizing other, other, over other emotions, but there is a world and a life to experience and to say, I wonder what's here. I wonder what's going on. And one encouragement that I want to give you in the midst of that is as you experience these moments and as you experience life and you're like, I'm starting to feel excited, I'm starting to feel sad, one thing that's helpful uh, as, a, as a pastor, I get to meet with people and they are willing to like share aspects of things that are going on in your lives. Over and over and over again, I'll hear people tell me something that's going on in their lives and then shame their emotional response to it. So they'll be like, it's been a really tough week. Like, my, someone in my family just lost their job. I've had this relationship go really sideways, but I don't know, I'm trying not to bum out about it. When you're sitting across the table from that, you're like, what? Bumming out about it is the correct response. If I were to prescribe a response, which I don't want to do, sad emotions to sad events is absolutely appropriate. And also, you've had a promotion at work. You've had an exciting vacation or time away, and you're feeling joy, and you're like, I don't know, I don't want to rub it in, you know, on Instagram and share other people. I don't necessarily prescribe rubbing it in on Instagram, but joy is what you should be feeling. That is something that's there to access. And so when you are encountering your own life and you look back at the events of your life, of your week, of your month, of your year, I want you to see those experiences through the eyes of a trusted and beloved friend. What would they encourage you to do? Well, how would they encourage you to respond based on what has actually happened in your life? Because I think that is one lens with which we see God. That as God sits with us, that God is with us in the midst of our life and our circumstances, that God is not there constantly calling us to respond differently to our lives and our emotions than what is really there. And we see this over and over again in Scripture, that there's invitations to grieve and there's invitations to joy. And they happen at the same time. How are we showing up to this life and how are we seeing what there is to celebrate? So what we're going to do now is we're going to move to a time of communion. I'm actually going to invite the, the band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in a song. But as you come forward this morning and you take the bread and the cup, I want you to be able to sit with this idea of where is there joy to celebrate? Where is there joy to be discovered in your life, in this moment right now? And again, not overshadowing any pain or difficulty, but wherever we're at, where is there joy to be celebrated? See, the, the communion practice is one of the oldest practices of the church within Christianity. It has its roots back to this meal that Jesus had with the disciples right before he was crucified. And in this meal, when he broke bread, he said, break this 
uh, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. And later he poured out wine and he said, drink, do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood poured out for you. There was an experience of joy in the midst of facing suffering. That as Jesus shared and celebrated a meal with those that Jesus loved and was close with. And there was also tears later. And there was also suffering. And there was also a hardness in the midst of it. And so as we come and we take of this meal together, the invitation is, where is there joy to be seen? Where is it to be celebrated? How we celebrate communion as a church is uh, we have people come up the center aisle and you grab the bread and the cup. Uh, We have gluten-free wafers up here as well. We have you go back to your seat and you take the bread on your own time. It's a sign of our individual connection, relationship with who God is, where Christ is calling us. And then we're going to have a short time of prayer and we're going to drink from the cup together. It's a sign of our community that we are called as a group um, together to seek after who God is. And this communion table is open and available to everyone. And if you're not comfortable, you're open and available to not participate as well. It's a great sign of the free love that God is calling and offering. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that as we take the bread and the cup, God, we would be able to sit with our life and our reality right now. And that, God, you would show us the places where there is joy to be celebrated. God, maybe it's a moment of peace. Maybe it's a a relationship, a friendship. God, maybe it's the place we are in our work or in our home. God, maybe it's a place we are in relationship with you. God, maybe it's that our lungs are still inhaling and exhaling and our heart's still beating. Whatever it is, God, I pray that we would be able to access the joy that is around us, God, that exists despite just our circumstances in addition to our circumstances, alongside our circumstances. God, would you lead us in discovering this joy? In your name we pray, amen. All right, would you stand if you're able, as we want to be able to head out with this. The prayer is that you would be able to go today knowing that there is joy around us and to see and to celebrate it is a part of being fully alive and seeing where God is moving and working in this world. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.